You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, and welcome back to the Oz Network for an extra special episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Not only because it's a Smash game, not only because it was Mermaid Fantasy or whatever it was called, but because we are all back, all four of us, to finally recap an episode. It's been a while. Episode one, I believe. Two. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But we're back. It's been a while. And I guess we're going to, I'm just going to jump right in. As always, I'm Rossi. And if these hoes try to come for me, I surely will cut thee. I will not hesitate to put you in a ditch because I ain't no punk bitch. <laughs> well, I might as well go next. I'm out of the order here. <laughs> I am Colin, and it is impossible being a white, straight drag race fan. <laughs> uh, and I'm not Brian, but I've read his wiki page, I've read the top facts, and I'm ready to play him here on the podcast. <gasps> and I'm Kyle, and I'm homeschooled. <laughs> So, I first I want to get Colin. I know you haven't watched all episodes, um, like the rest of us. But are you sad to see anyone go in the little bit that you have seen? Well, I already forget my preseason rankings, but I'm pretty sure um, all of my top five are gone now. <laughs> uh, no, you still have one. I, I've got one left. Is it Monet? You still got Monet in there. All right, so one left. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, it, it, once I realized that I was going to be able to do this episode and it's a Snatch game, I'm like, oh, I got to catch up. But of course, I had no time to do that. So I'm like, let me just watch the previously on segments. And like week after week, it's all of my favorites from the beginning of the season gone. Like, how is Blair gone? Uh, it's just mm-hmm. sad. Um, who are some of the other ones that are gone now? Yuha. Yuha, yeah, there is another one. This, yeah. Dusty. Oh man, it's just terrible. Mayhem. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm, I guess yeah. I'm kind of happy with who we have left. It's just obviously I'm either the worst preseason picker ever or everybody that I love just completely fell apart. You're going to have to tell me which one it was. Like, did these people just completely epically collapse or was I just an idiot to pick them in the first place? I don't think anyone's been an absolute train wreck. No. Um, I feel like Mini Cart was my winner pick, and I feel like she's been the biggest like <laughs> like hero to zero in one episode. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you missed too much in terms of the uh, like there was no there, there was no train wreck. I think this was the biggest train wreck of a performance to go from mm. high to low. I guess. Yeah. Except for maybe Mayhem, who had won a challenge and is gone, like the first person to win a challenge and be eliminated. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. I'm not sure. Colin, just so you know, I like to think that the whole time you've been away, you've been on a drag tour all across America. (laughs) 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 Okay, the cat's out of the bag now. (laughs) And we talked highly about your future drag con panels that you could do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They have one, um, because. One of the reasons I'm able to be on this episode is uh, I didn't have to wait for Rossi to upload it to Google Drive or anything like that because um, they have mm-hmm. uh, the channel that it airs on here in Canada. Um, it's on a free trial right now, so I didn't have to pay for the channel, which was nice. 
Right. Uh, but they keep flashing these commercials uh, during the commercial breaks where there's some type of drag con in Toronto that I guess has people from Drag Race that I've never seen before. So there is one coming up. Maybe I'll make a special guest appearance or host a panel or something like that. Get interviews. <laughs> yeah. You'll get interviews for the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. World renowned <laughs> podcast right here. So I guess we'll just dive into the episode now. Uh, Blair's gone, super sad, but kind of predictable from the episode. Uh, and then we get a lot of Vixen this episode, and it starts with her staying at a 10, always being at a 10. Eureka doesn't like that. And this sets up all the drama for the entire episode, I would say. <laughs> Every Once point together. is touched again. Yeah. yeah it was and like Monique a... is <laughs> yeah, Every storyline here is throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah. We we were predicting that one last week when Monique started talking about her every outfit having to be something she was throwing together on the spot. I'm like, okay, there's a focus on this, so it's probably going to be either why she goes next week or she's going to shine next week. And it was it was the former. It's definitely the former. <laughs> But my question is, why did we keep having to hear about how I'm poor? I mean, I don't think that they're working with their own money on this show, so I didn't see how that was relevant, you know? Not being experienced with designing, that might be one thing, but it's like, you know, I'm poor, I don't have the money for elaborate outfits. Uh, it, I didn't see how it was relevant on a show like this where I guarantee everything's provided for them. I mean, if you show up on MasterChef, it's not like, you know, the the rich cooks are like, well, I'm working with a steak, and the other ones are like, well, I got a can of beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're given the themes that they're going to have to do uh, ahead of filming. And so, like, if you, um, on Untucked, the Cameron Michaels and Miss um, Cracker were talking about how they spent more on their outfits that they were going to wear for each week coming into the show to bring them with them than they did on like house deposits and stuff like that. Ah. So yeah, so I think I think once they know that they're on and they've got the themes, I think people just like there are no limits to mm. to what people start spending mm. on these outfits. Yeah, it's the equivalent of. One chef's coming in with a steak knife, and the other has a plastic spoon. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to cut the steak to win or something. That's interesting, because like, I, like, I didn't realize how the show even works, but you got to imagine some of these people who are out early on, you know, like, like uh, uh, what was it, uh, Kardashian or whatever, my favorite from the uh, <laughs> beginning of the season, probably spent all this money you know, working on stuff for seven, eight episodes in, and it basically ends up being a complete waste. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, she better have left those tickets on. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your receipt. She's going to get an exchange. But I'm yeah. <laughs> Get a full refund. Uh, so I guess we'll start the next day. We all have... Uh, just kind of Monet wanting to win a challenge is one of the first things I noted. I was like, we've been here before when Monet says this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is she going? But obviously that doesn't come out. And also we get a carrot top reference in this beginning bit, which I took as really big of a shock. Um, yeah, I did wonder how many current fans of Drag Race knew, knew who Carrot Top was. Yeah. I know who Carrot Top is, but is there is there some type of history here I'm not aware of? No, I don't no, think it's been so. referenced on Drag Race before. 
Not me. Yeah, no. Unless they know each other. RuPaul knows Carrot Top personally. <laughs> Some type of celebrity I mean, that feud that you know, nobody's been told about? <laughs> yeah. Personal drama? Who knows? <laughs> and Colin, That's... we get our very first flashback challenge. We get the reading challenge, which we started officially recapping Drag Race on. Was day one the reading challenge and we get it back here were you excited to see it i know you liked it then yeah and the thing i like more than anything though is uh these rupaul public service announcement things like when we had the get out and vote thing in last season and here it's like teaching children how to read <laughs> <It's>, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know it's, it's, it seems funny on a show like this that they actually do try to pigeonhole these uh these little public service things in there it's kind of fun i can't wait to see what's next you know uh like mm-hmm. say your prayers eat your vitamins or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I could have done that for the the farmerusical in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, take your pills. <laughs> they should have had a librarian come in for the beginning of this. Like, they had like those throwaway people. Like, they had like Nancy Pelosi last season. Like, where's the librarian for this episode? <laughs> yeah. Maxine Waters should have come in. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, so in the reading challenge, we get a, a lot of things. I mean, I personally loved um, Queer is like the villain. I mean, the vixen. Yes. Which I thought that was great. And I loved, I loved pretty much all, not, no one was particularly awful. I was like, ooh, that was pretty bad. I mean, there was nothing outstanding in this whole challenge, at least from my perspective. But I like uh, being... I really, I really liked Eureka in this because not only was she hilarious, but then at the end she just says, "Really looking forward to hearing all your reads about me being fat," which was great because it kind of like it didn't matter what they said now, like she had still kind of made it funny for her because she was being proved right. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I mean, I guess I would say then, I did love the one about Ms. Cracker and Bob the Drag Queen. <laughs> Yeah, because apparently there's some truth to that. Who knows? Mm. I don't know personally, but that's what I've heard that there's some truth to the rumors of that. But we're not here to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just yeah. give a shout out to the uh, the Amazon Queen one? Your tights are from Amazon. Your outfits, your teeth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, there were so many good ones. I didn't think. I mean, obviously Eureka wins the challenge, and I think fair enough. You can always kind of tell, at least from my perspective, you can always tell who's going to win the challenge because they end up getting like one or two more than the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think all the ones that don't really land are edited out because I'm assuming they go down the line and say something about every other person. And so we get like two from everyone, but then the winner of this challenge usually gets three or four. Yeah, yeah. And that was like like last season, Ben wins. And I was like, oh, I kind of saw that coming because Ben had like six reads and everyone had two. And this yeah. time, Rika had like three or four jokes and everyone said one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was also really good to see a lot of personality, especially Cameron. Like Cameron was first and I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. <laughs> but it wasn't. And we actually got personality and everything. And I thought Aquaria would be bad, but Aquaria wasn't. And Aquaria just takes all of the insults, eh? Like... Like she's she's pretty self perceptive. She knows that she's I don't know. I mean, she says it herself. She's not the brightest tool in the you know <laughs> brightest tool in the shed. Oh my god, brightest crayon in the box, sharpest tool in the shed. Ah, oh. I walked into that. Um, but uh, 
Anyway, I don't know what my problem was. <laughs> I mean, we try. don't have to read you. You did a pretty good job doing it yourself just yeah. now. It's very early to be talking about drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Something's like, sounds like an excuse. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah. time for clapbacks here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love, I, I mean, I love the reading challenge. It's always so fun to... I think it's like one of the, I mean, it's a, it is a staple of all the mini challenges. And I guess that's one thing you've missed, Colin, in all the episodes. We've had a mini challenge every single <laughs> episode, which I know you're a huge fan of. I usually hate them, but like this one works, you know, because it's actually challenging. I mean, it's the improv and it's the comedy stuff, which is the the thing that I actually like about this show is I like the idea of them, the, you know, they're presenting themselves as comedians and, you know, roasting and all that. And that's why I think this challenge really works. Yeah, I like having this one in there as well. And no one cried about it afterwards, which was good. Oh. Do not give me war flashbacks of the last season. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the second most quintessential challenge ever next to reading. It's Sash Game. Which we were all waiting for episodes <laughs> earlier to to keep going, but we finally get it. And I know we talked about last episode that your your guys' expectations were very low. Mm. Without going yeah. into particulars, what were your thoughts after? Were you in fans? Did you like it? Were you pleased, surprised, upset? This one, this one worked. I think how I rate a snatch game is how many people nailed it, and compared to how many people really flopped. And so there were more. Well, yeah, there was just slightly more that landed their characters and did a good job compared to those who absolutely failed. So this was a good snatch game for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I got even simpler. Did I laugh? <laughs> like, I've watched Snatch games where, like, I haven't laughed at all. Um, and it's different for us as well. Like, there are, there's usually a couple of, like, American celebrities that we don't mm. know who they are. Um, uh, like, Tamar, Tamar Braxton is one. Like, I have no idea who that is. So when, when they're played on Snatch Game, the humor's lost on us a bit. But I, I did know a lot of these people. I didn't know Maya Angelou was so popular with drag queens. <laughs> um, <laughs> come up, yeah, consecutive seasons. I guess the, the disappointment for me is that, like, I was really looking forward to Miss Cracker. And, like, not only did I, like, not find her that funny, but I didn't really know who she was. Yeah. I'm kind of a combination of the, the two ways of judging the, in that I like to see, like, the good performances, but then the bad ones can make me laugh, too. Like, last season, it was just sort of bad, and I didn't laugh at all. And the good ones, I didn't really laugh at all. Whereas this time, the good ones really made me laugh, but then some of the bad ones were just so awkward, it was hilarious. Uh, in some ways, I think I'll come away from this one uh, probably appreciating the bad performances more than, or at least re- not appreciating, but at least remembering the bad performances more than I remember the good ones on this one. Yeah, some of them are just really awkward to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't think we can get any like more uncomfortable than, oh, you spelled your name wrong, Maya Angelou. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quint- that's like the peak low. Like, I- anything from above that is like a good snatch game for me I feel like yes. you know, it wasn't 
season four and it wasn't Maya Angelou, I'm happy. Like that's that's my takeaway on the Snatch Game in general. Um, <laughs> we also get introduced to Colin. You get introduced for the first time to Bianca Del Rio. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Actually, no. You we saw Bianca Del Rio that Judge Judy. Yeah. Yeah, because I knew episode. that's the that. only reason I knew it because when I saw the Judge Judy, I wondered if this was a different Judge Judy or is this the same one? <laughs> Judge Judy is also a very popular Snatch Game. Yeah. <laughs> Done five times. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was so great. good to see Bianca. I mean, this is the perfect time to bring back Bianca unless they were going to do a roast challenge, which would also work well. That would be interesting, actually. Are you guys happy to see Bianca return, or you're like, oh, get all these people out of here? No, I like Bianca. Um, she, I think, I think she's the only winner pick that I've actually gotten right before. Mm. Bianca is like, Bianca's nicer as a guest than a contestant. Uh, yeah, Bianca wasn't my favorite, but then, like, she seemed like a really nice person this time. I like nice people. Yeah, she she's got that balance of um, has like means well. You know, it comes from a supportive place, but her humor and personality is that, um, is roasting basically everyone all the time. That's, that's her entertainment value. Uh, and it's so perfect. <laughs> <Get> the... <laughs> uh, what? Uh, I, again, I don't know anything about Bianca outside of this. It's just, I kind of feel like, now who was the one who ended up as the, um, the, um, the, the political, the political lady? I have no idea who it is. The Wikipedia page. Who is that? Monique, right? Um, yeah, yeah, Monique was Maxine. Yeah. Again, I don't know who Maxine uh, Waters is, but it felt like Bianca was pushing that so hard. And, well, we'll get into the challenge. We'll talk about it a bit more. But I, I, it really felt like Bianca pushed that on her and that that's kind of – it was like you know the nail in the coffin because I don't know if there was a way to pull that off or if Monique was really that interested or, or had a read on the character enough to do it. Yeah, I think I it could have been done, but Monique's other one. Yeah, I forget. Did Monique have a alternative? I think they were throwing a couple out there. I just remember that when that was like the first suggestion, and then she said, "Or oh, I was thinking about doing this," and then Bianca kept saying, "Oh, go back to uh, you know Maxine or whatever," and uh even mentioned about yeah. the whole you know one line thing that that it's known for because um uh Monique was saying you know outside of this one line I don't know what I can do to make this work so it seemed like Monique had a lot of reservations it was kind of pressured into it I remember her other one that she gave an example to Rue for or or maybe it was meant to be Maxine I don't know but when Rue asked her a question and she replied back with, uh, I got beans, I got green beans. <laughs> and um, she said it was a shopping list, and I didn't understand what she was going for. Oh, can I just say I love when RuPaul kind of very awkwardly mocks the people. <laughs> like, where, yeah. where they'll they'll give their, oh, this is one of the things I'm trying to be. And um, I can't remember who it was that uh, uh, she was saying this to. Where It was probably the Beyonce one, where he started to do the Beyonce thing. And it's like, well, that was not funny at all <laughs> like, yes. it's just brutally honest uh and i feel like i feel like asia is messed up here as well because like asia does beyonce because she's told that she can't do whitney houston mm-hmm. if she's gonna reference yeah because there was that line about you know are no, you gonna go like, with like the, 
are you going to go with the powdered sugar or whatever, which everybody yeah, gets yeah. that reference. And they're like, well, you can't do that. Like, is this a network thing where they're suddenly saying, no, thought... that's going a little too far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there are a couple instances where they kind of led them in the wrong direction. Although at least with the Beyonce one, the suggestion was given out there, do the other members instead. Yeah. Yeah. Which she should have done. But yeah, I don't know why that specifically is off limits mm-hmm. when everything else it's like no holds barred. Yeah, apparently that's the line in RuPaul <laughs> yeah. that you don't cross. Well, like, yeah. you have two people yeah. out there yeah. mocking children, and that's okay, but Whitney Houston snorts something up her nose. No, don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you definitely could have played that character more funny, mm-hmm. but Asia should have never had Beyonce as an option because it's been done twice before and they were both terrible. But also, like, can you do Whitney Houston without the drugs as well? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, uh, what? Like, can't you just, like, not snort drugs, but just be erratic like she was on a lot of her mm-hmm. interviews and just be, like, obvi- obviously high, but, yeah. like, without actually, like, lining up on the table in well, front of you? Yeah, I don't think you have to line it up on the table, but I think, like, still the joke is that you've taken something and, like, that's who you're playing. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a bit unfair. When it would have been funny. Better than Beyonce. Better than, like, angry Beyonce. (laughs) Better than than she actually wants to run the world and make you her slaves, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beyonce. (laughs) Here we got dictator Beyonce. (laughs) I would would argue that just in kinds of going through these scenes, like, I feel like Moni wasn't pushed as much. Like, I feel like that could have been a make-or-break performance and it was a break for Monique. I think that there's a lot of material. I think, I guess one thing you, I mean, you guys aren't familiar, but Maxine Waters is very vocal politician, political figure, mm-hmm. and probably has a lot of, has a lot more personality than what we got from Monique. It, I, I, I draw comparisons to like Trixie's um, RuPaul in the last episode season, where it was just like throwing out these things that didn't fit as a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. Like when, especially in talking to, you know, Aquarius character, like it was just like not funny. It was just being rude, but not funny or being outlandish, but not funny. And I think that Monique just went about it the wrong way. So I do think she could have done it. Well, it's, and I, I was just gonna say, it's that awkward timing too, that like we saw from a lot of people on this, where they wanted to go back and forth somebody else. They wanted to throw something out there, give a one liner during somebody else's performance and it just fell flat. And I think that was the biggest thing is that, you know, doing the performance is one thing, but when you look at Eureka, Eureka got over on Eureka's performance, but some of these other ones got over by being able to respond back. Like like Melania, uh, that was not so much based just on the performance. That was based on the banter that they kept talking about and just being able to improvise a line as somebody else says something else. And I think that's where this this Maxine one fell flat. Is that it, it, it just it came across a little too with the Beyonce thing too. Maybe just the, the playing very negative characters that are kind of angry <laughs> didn't really work. Yeah. You need to have some type of humor with your character to make banter like that work. Otherwise, you just come across like you're being obnoxious. Yeah, exactly. And the Beyonce came across just like in the previous episode when they were on the panel and they tried to like throw shade at each other. But it just came across as really negative and it like it was awful, like watching bullying. And, and that's how Beyonce came across to Blue Ivy. 
what we love about Bianca's Judge Judy is that it's built into who Judge Judy is. I don't know if Beyonce is naturally this aggressive mm. or this, you know, commanding and controlling and domineering in life. Well, if, if she is, then, I mean, credit to Asia for knowing Beyonce really well. <laughs> but, like, yeah. this doesn't... This isn't the persona we know. I think it was RuPaul that said, or one of the judges said, said that like Beyonce doesn't really have a personality that anybody gets to see. Like she's yeah. a singer yeah. and that's it. And it's the same thing with like Whitney Houston. Like we talked about Mariah Carey last season, Rossi and Stevie Nicks, you know, those, they may not have a big personality, but at least they have a gimmick about them. You know, Stevie Nicks is kind of weird and witch like and, uh, Whitney Houston is, you know, crazy and all over the place and snorting something, uh, you know, Mariah Carey is just like the epitome of a diva. You don't get to see a lot of their personality because they're singers. They're not actors or public speakers or anything like that. Uh, but they have a gimmick about them. What is Beyonce's gimmick? She's a singer, you know? She's a diva without personality. Yeah. I just can't believe that people would come in with people that they know have failed. Yeah, that, that like... was my thing. I was like, can we please stop doing Beyonce? <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah if someone comes in with like lady gaga next season i'm gonna be out like yeah it doesn't work like get over it. like study what's worked unless you're the best at this mm. like the best don't do it i just can't believe that we still are running into this issue this late in the yeah. game some people do it because they know they can pull off the look and that's what they're relying on. They're like, yeah, I, I know that I can dress up and, and do a Beyonce look, but it's not about that. Yeah, it's not about it. Like, I, and this can get into like the episode, the challenge itself, but a lot of it becomes just, can you tell a good joke? Can you make everyone laugh? And if you can, yeah. that's a success. If you look like them and you sound like them, that's even a bigger plus, but it, the jokes mm. are first. Yes. Yeah. Because be I would fun. argue that Eureka did not sound anything like the little six-year-old girl. It sounded just like Eureka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like. And it was, like, funny, and so you don't care that it didn't sound quite like this little girl. <laughs> and we yeah. don't even know what Blue Ivy sounds like, so it doesn't matter what they sound exactly. like. Yeah, could have done anything with her. Yeah, that's that's why it's about building your own performance. Cause even with like, maybe again, I'm Canadian, so we don't see as much politics, but like Rossi, you could tell me is Melania somebody that people could say, Oh yeah. If I were not looking at her, I'd be able to recognize her voice, her mannerisms and things like that. Like she's just kind of the trophy wife. So I don't think that that really lends itself to a character, you know, anymore. It was just being able to bring out with these gimmicks and the things like the help me sign and the, the, the excessive blinking and all that that really made the performance. Yeah. And it's something that the performer themselves just created, like the honey boo boo thing, just writing all over herself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Melania Trump is very blinky. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> like, I, I, I recognize the blinky thing, yeah. But, um, but like, so yeah, many of the yeah, other yeah. things, like, I, can anybody tell you what she sounds like? I mean, she has an accent, I'm guessing, because of her weird name. That's all I would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, like, with um, Aquaria, like, she just had the jokes ready to go. Like, mm-hmm. she had them lined up right from the start. She's got the Michelle Obama plaque in front of her. She hands Rue the um, the box and calls it Trinity's, and then inside it has to help me. So it's, like, already she's gone, like, joke, joke, joke. 
But at the same time, she was also prepared to make jokes on the spot. Like, I loved when she was like, no wonder my husband complains about China oh, all the time. Oh, so good. Yeah. Like, that was absolutely on the spot, 100% improv, but it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, and when she called RuPaul Barack Obama, I <laughs> lost it. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Melania. Melania. That's okay, Barack. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like Beyonce's writing. That's the first time Beyonce's writing for herself. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah, and Rossi, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but like the whole debate about people trying to steal the show or upstaging everybody, especially with Eureka, I didn't get that at all because I, to me, two of the best performances were Cameron as China and Eureka as Honey Boo Boo, and it wasn't because they were always in there. In fact, if you watch half the funny stuff they did, was like you're only going to get it when the camera's on them. Like China, the little gimmicks, like all of a sudden she's mixing a protein powder, <laughs> you know? It's it's not a joke. You're not interrupting anybody. And with the Honey Boo Boo stuff, you know, writing all over her face, we weren't seeing that. It, the, the, the humor in that was the fact that they asked a question. It was only at that moment that the camera turns over and you see her turn around and she's got this stuff written <laughs> yeah. all over her. Like at no point were either of them interrupting people or trying to get in there. And that's what like Monique was missing and, and so many of the others is that you're trying to fight for your, your time by interrupting people and here they just had ways of keeping the camera on them by little things like lifting a weight or you know making a funny face yes. or writing something on your 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 head yeah very true very true i think i guess there's editing as well so we don't know what was edited out like mm. maybe eureka was throwing a lot more out there that we didn't see but from what we did see it was yeah you're right both of them were like they had their gimmicks going while the camera wasn't necessarily on them I think if we're going to like think about talk about, you know, jumping on on top of each other and stealing the spotlight. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle's the only one who's going to understand this. Um, but if you watch the season four snatch game, that mm-hmm. is 100% every single person yelling on top of each other, fighting for the, mm. the spotlight. And it turns out to be the biggest disaster ever. And this was not like that. Yes, there were that there was that moment where like the bottom three were all yelling at each other at one point, And I was like, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. <laughs> Overwhelmed, like not following the storyline. But other than that, there was no sort of issues with, I felt, I felt there were no issues with, you know, spot yeah. control. In that particular one, it ruined snatch game for everybody else who was doing a good job of it. Cause like this mess just took over the show and it's like, well, now no one's funny because it's just awkward. And I definitely think that even though they wouldn't have seen it, like Maya Angelou, very popular in this time of year, um, was also really incredible. I think that like the cage, we do we even know, we still don't know why the cage bird sings, but (laughs) Um, we still have a better answer than when we from last season. Yeah. Yeah, Monade played her well. My question is, has Judge Judy seen Bianca Del Rio play Judge Judy? And if she has not, can I please watch it with her? Because I want to see what Judge Judy's reaction is. <laughs> oh, maybe we can tweet it out to her. Yeah, yeah. Her, assuming she does. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Does she have Twitter or does she pay someone to have a Twitter for her? Yeah, maybe. Does uh, Alex Trebek have his own Twitter, Colin? 
I don't know, but I should know. Um, I feel Why embarrassed that I don't. He does. This is, oh, are we going to talk about Alistair Beck, or am I the only one who wants to? <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to say, Alistair Beck um, is, like, I don't know even know if people are aware of it outside of Canada, but, like, Alex Beck is Canadian, but here he's, like, like super iconic. I mean, like, Canadian hero iconic. So for him to pop up in anything like this, especially something that you would not expect him to, is just hilarious, because outside of Jeopardy, he actually has, like, uh, I wouldn't really call it a TV show, but I'm sure, you know, every country has those, uh, like, save the, the children in third world countries. You know, if you, for a dollar a day, you know, this child can eat for a month or whatever. And he does yeah. those for, like, Canadian charities uh, that are on TV pretty much every single day. So just seeing Alex Rebeck was amazing. That That man is incredible. That man has looked the same <laughs> yes. since, since I was, like, as long as I can remember. And I'm, like, almost 30. So, like, if you put asked me, because, you know, we don't see a lot of Alex Trebek. If you had asked me, put your money on it, is Alex Trebek dead or alive? I probably would have said dead. But he looks younger than what he does when I was five. Well, I tried to uh, – well, I didn't try. I did pick an Alex Trebek picture here for today. Um, by the way, mm. I can't find that Alex Trebek has Triver, uh, Twitter, but it keeps auto-correcting the name Trebek to Alex Travel, so um, I'll, I'll continue to confirm. Uh, no, but I was looking for the picture, and when you Google him, one of the first things that comes up is Alex Trebek death, and then it says 2016 or something like that. So, like, if you Google, oh, apparently he's been dead for the last two years. <laughs> oh, I'm curious. Judge Judy. Okay, I, can, I can confirm that Judge Judy does have Twitter. Um, and it's verified. It's verified. Uh, but, uh, look, it's not that exciting, to be honest. <laughs> no, what's, what's the last tweet? What was the latest tweet? Judge Judy gifts. And she, she's just giving, like... Happy birthdays. Happy birthday, happy Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's just a whole bunch of tweets that are like, Houston, 12.30 p.m., Detroit. Like, I think she's giving out her flight schedule, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, I think maybe she thinks she's checking in but she's actually updating her Twitter I'm not sure <laughs> help, someone help her yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's missed so many flights that's why you don't give old people iPhones <laughs> obviously we know she's running her own Twitter and some intern is yeah, obviously not <laughs> Maybe she, we need to call Child Protective Services on her. <laughs> um, and the Colin, I believe this is the second show that we've covered that had Alex Trebek in it. Yeah, I, I know. What was the other one? I was thinking about that. Wasn't he... I barely, I think I barely remember, but I think he was like a pit stop person for the Amazing Race one season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was probably Amazing Race Canada last year. <laughs> They had him at the finish line. I remember it was Amazing Race Canada. It was in his hometown, wherever that was. He was the guy at the finish line, but he was only there for like the first three teams. And remember that he just disappeared for the last couple teams that checked in? Like it's past Alex Trebek's bedtime. Oh, yeah. The man is 112 years old. He doesn't stay up past eight. He's dead already. Let him he go died bed. by the time the third team checked in. He has to go back to his grave. They can only prop him up for so long. Yeah. <laughs> like a ventriloquist 
This got derailed from Snatch Game all the way. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But also, was this this was really weird with this Alex Trebek in the Snatch Game? Was it not? I think it, I think that's the humor of it. Like it's the person you would least expect to appear on RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, what other people could possibly top this if they appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race, like Kirk Douglas or something? <laughs> RuPaul you? said Alex Trebek is a fan. That's incredible. <laughs> He's listening to this I'm... podcast right now. That's how big of a fan he is. Yeah. He got get him out. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it is someone I would never expect to watch this show. And who knows if he actually does. But he at least knows one person on the show. So. I hope his Twitter is just all RuPaul gifts. <laughs> mm. he's, he's live tweeting with the episodes. <laughs> yes. Slay Queen. I wonder how many times RuPaul runs into a celebrity that he assumes wouldn't watch his show, and then they're like, oh my god, that was incredible. And then RuPaul says, why don't you come on the show, Kate Upton? <laughs> I like to think what that like, Maggie Smith is watching RuPaul's Drag Race week after week. Yeah. <laughs> no, she died years ago. <laughs> it doesn't stop anyone. Yeah, the queen's really tired and wants to go to bed, but she actually just wants to go and turn on on top. <laughs> Time to watch my fellow queens. <laughs> so, um, are we done with the Snatch Camper? I'm all yeah. out of notes. Yeah, I think so. Do we think that the top and bottom, I mean, we'll get a little into more, but like fair deserving based on the Snatch game? Oh, yeah. 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 So you like China a lot, Colin, so... Yeah, I thought that... I mean, we didn't get as much of the jokes. It was just kind of that physical comedy in between the uh, in between the jokes or, or the times where, you know, she kind of had the, the mic. That's what I really liked. Uh, it's probably one of those things, like you said, about editing that, you know, if it was really that good, it probably would have been in there a little bit more. But uh, th- those little things like the protein shake and the weights were just hilarious. I and Miss Cracker was there too. What's that? Miss Cracker was there too. Yeah, and, and you know what? When they started giving out the character, like Miss Cracker, who knows who this person is? Is this a comedian that Miss Cracker was playing? Sure. Sure. Okay, <laughs> let's go with that. I kind of thought the way this was being set up, and maybe it was again the tone of the editing, that this would be like was Paul Lind last season, Rossi? Yeah. Yeah, I thought this would be like the Paul Lind. It's like, nobody knows who this is. It seems like such an odd choice that shouldn't work, and I thought it would just come off brilliantly like Paul Lind. And I just, I can't remember one thing about it. Yeah. I think with Cracker and um, Cameron, like, both of them are safe, and I think it's because they they landed their jokes. They stayed in character, that they weren't stealing the show. Mm. So they kind of like, they delivered that, but they didn't really stand out in a huge way. I think China stood out more than Dorothy, but I thought them two being in the middle of the road were, was accurate for this. So I pulled up the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Parker was an American poet, writer, critic, and satirist, best known for her wit, wisecracks, and eye for the 20th century urban 
Oh, now I get the joke. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I only read the first bit, Colin. <laughs> I didn't get through the rest of Wikipedia, so. <laughs> I don't know all the jokes. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. So that's Natch Game. It much better, anyway, than last season. So, I'm happy. Uh, and so the next day, we get a lot of conversations. Everyone's tense because they all thought they sucked. And we get more fights between Eureka and Vixen, but I'm just going to let that go, and then we'll touch on all of that at the end. Mm-hmm. All the drama at the end of the episode. So we'll leave that be. And we'll get to the incredible runway theme, which I loved. I don't know if y'all loved too, but I thought it was great. <laughs> I did not love it, Rusty. We oh. did not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I didn't mind it. Against each other. <laughs> I mean, to me, I like it a little bit better that they have a theme and that people kind of embrace the theme. Um, who was it that had the weird gill-faced mask on? Asia. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, See, I actually, it looked terrible. It looked like something paper mache that was made by like a <laughs> five-year-old. But at the same time, I liked at least the idea behind it. Um, but like Aquaria just stole the whole thing, though. Like that was incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was stunning. Asia just cracked me up from the moment she appeared, <laughs> and then every time the camera cut to her, I was just laughing. I'm like I I would like I would make her safe just based on that. <laughs> There's so many good moments where she's not even in the front, like she's out of focus, but you can just like see all these beautiful queens in the background and then Asia's <laughs> mask just in between them. <laughs> so good. What was great was they tried to make this dramatic, like like usually they're giving their critiques or whatever, and somebody has like a very serious expression. Oh, I didn't yes. expect that. Yes. Here, it's just all you see is every once in a while when she responds back, you see a real mouth slightly behind this paper mache gill mouth that's flapping up and down a little bit. Like, how do you sell this as a serious conversation and critique? All I'm saying is we were robbed that we didn't have to see Asia lip sync with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was we were desperate. robbed of that. That would have been great. She should have given it to Monique, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. She would have helped her. Yes. I just think we were robbed of them not lip syncing with their fins on. <laughs> well, they cut them yeah, off and ripped it, even. Like, again, you're talking about how much money they spend on these things, and who was it that just ripped their dress right in half as they were getting ready to lip sync? It's fine. It was Monique. She didn't spend any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So why does no one like this runway? <laughs> I, I I like the idea behind it. I don't think anything really looked like it. All kind of looked like it was made. You know, like what was that dollar store challenge we saw? Um, yeah, that's kind of what this looked like to me. But I, I kind of like the idea behind it. Yeah, other than Aquaria, I thought most people just looked quite basic. Mm. It, it, I guess like with Mermaid, it's like, okay, we're going to see the tail and then you're going to have a bikini top on. It, and that's that's the whole look. Like I felt like no one really did anything exciting with it other than Aquaria. I'm just like, I'm really just not that big a fan of like wheeling drag queens down, <laughs> down the aisle. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't, I don't know. I well, feel like a lot of a lot of personality is kind of lost. 
by just like frumping back in a wheelchair and getting like and, you know mm-hmm. wheeled to the front and then just like standing up giving a little bit of a wave and then sitting back down yeah why I did a wheelchair pretty- too like are mermaids yeah. crippled when they come out of the water like i didn't understand that <laughs> yeah. yeah like i feel like they could have had like a prop rock yeah they were like i don't know just like basking on yeah yeah shangela wouldn't have come out on that wheelchair that's all i'm saying <laughs> they would have grabbed anything else yeah they obviously spent all the money on alex trebek doing his cameo yeah, that's right but they had no money to spend on an actual prop that they could use yeah so they had to. I don't know. It looks. I do have to agree. The wheelchair was really awful. <laughs> like they had a little like fake fish on these like spokes behind them, and it was, it, right. that was that was the worst part of the runway for me. Yeah. Aside from maybe the vixens, but. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I did. I didn't like the theme too much, but I I was enjoying the gimmick, and it was silly. But you know, when they're like, "You're safe. You can leave the stage." And then it's just blank faces. And it's like, oh, oh, you can't leave the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I thought it was That's fun. great. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love it so much. It would have been great to have the shot of them. You could leave the stage and they're all just sort of looking like, uh, how much time do we have here? And they just have to hobble back or like slither. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was fun on Untucked when you get see them all being rolled on boxes over to the lounge <laughs> as well. I'm really bitter that you guys didn't like it. Um, <laughs> Tell me why you did like it. I thought I thought it was just so fun, like to have like I thought I would not expect it. Like if you're like, oh, think of a runway theme. I'm like, uh, I wouldn't have expected this, especially with like real live working fins that they can't work walk with. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I was like, oh, they're not going to do anything like that because they need their body parts to move. But they're like, nope. I think what I also didn't... Sorry to cut in with things that I don't like about it again, but um, I'm not a fan of when they do the nude illusion stuff, when they're wearing, like, a flesh-toned outfit and then, like, the outfit impression is meant to be on top of that. And a few people were doing that with the top half, and I just I think it looks pretty cheap when they do that. Especially Eureka's, like, her having, like, the mm. full bodysuit, which was flesh-toned with the black bikini over it. It's like, nah, I, I don't like the look of it. I can't believe we're talking about the bad stuff in this challenge and we haven't talked about Vixen's styrofoam plates <laughs> or whatever that were about <laughs> six inches too high. Basically a neck level. <laughs> yeah, the boobs under the armpit. <laughs> That's why they had a swimsuit model on this episode, just for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to point that out. Because I think it would have been a lot more awkward if Alex Trebek was calling that out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I don't want to get into any of the commentary from Alex Trebek. Yeah. Although now I really kind of want to. Yeah. <laughs> what is, he has to respond in question only, what is... Yeah, that's the it. The correct positioning of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> What is under your chin? <laughs> Tits. <laughs> I think I also love the fact that they had to sit there, like, just sitting in chairs. And then, like, there's just so much extra work to do with this challenge. Like, they have to have a wheelchair. They have to have someone bring them out. 
and then they're yeah. sitting on chairs only for two of them to leave the stage two seconds later and them have to get rid of the chairs, relocate everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that it was so over the top. Yeah. yeah a lot of effort. Uh, the, and also, like, a reason why they've done this is because they love the puns for when they come out. And there yeah. were so many puns for each of the queens as they came out in their outfits. And the, I was enjoying them. They were pretty fun. Michelle had the best one. Yeah. Like, look at her working that fatty acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love when Carson was like, she's looking for her friend, Annette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love and it took through a moment to get in. It was like, dot, dot, oh, dot. That just wow. took me a moment to get. I get it now. <laughs> Come on, Colin. Come on, Alex. My favorite um, of the dubbing by one of the queens was Cracker in her Barbie mermaid realness. She's like, yes. I'm fresh out of the box and confused why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, that's the brand, isn't it? That's it, that's it. And her face really was selling that story. Mm. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Happy so, to be here. Just how it happened. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we get the a lot of critiques. Fair enough, everything was fine. But we also get the question, which I'm surprised hasn't come up yet, but mm-hmm. they must edit it out if it doesn't give anything special. But we get the question, the infamous question of who deserves to go home. Mm. Yes. And that I, is- I, this was interesting. Eureka takes the approach of like, Asia is my biggest competition, so I'm going to go with her. Yeah. Um, and so, like, she kind of set the path of like, you could say this for everyone. Everyone else decides to go down the other route of like, nope. Yeah. Vixen is shit. I feel like Eureka did this as well because she's going before the Vixen and mm. doesn't want to say the Vixen and then the Vixen says Eureka. So it's like, alright, I'm going to take a different pathway with it, but <laughs> Vixen's still calling out Eureka. Unfairly? Are we... <laughs> oh, yeah. Vixen's commentary was not warranted. Um, are we in agreement or what? what? Well, I mean... Again, just basing it on the previously on segments and then the first two episodes I saw the season, isn't Eureka like right up there, maybe with Aquarius having won the most challenges this season? Like how could you say Eureka you know, should should go for any reason, especially in this episode too, and your reasoning is all about oh well she she wasn't respectful in the challenge or whatever, but the editing of this episode doesn't even show that, but based on challenge wins alone, like who is the Ben de la Creme at this point? It looks like it is Eureka from what I could tell. Yeah, that's it. Like Vixen was basing it on her like personal dislike for Eureka. And that's exactly how it came across. It was like, I think Eureka should go because I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not going to come across well for you in front of the judges, which is what Eureka bites back with of like don't be calling me out when I'm trying to get appreciation from the judges for my art and yeah. you're just like you know talking shit about me and this whole thing about like Eureka goes you know I, I know I'm loud and I can be you know too much mm. but like I'm also a nice person and I try and combat that and I can't really help the fact that I'm loud and like the Vixen's comment back is like mm. well you could at least try and change like 
Yeah. Isn't that your whole thing? Is yeah, that like totally. you don't like the vixen isn't going to change who they are for anybody and everybody else can just go deal with it. Yeah. And like Eureka is saying, like, I know my flaws, but I try and combat it with nice stuff. And she's like, you could at least try and change. Yeah. Like, shh, go home. Yeah. Recruit. <laughs> yeah. This was earlier in the episode, too, but the whole, like, white guilt discussion thing that came up, which was so confusing me. And again, I think, you know, the region you live in is going to play a big part in this, too. Like, I live in what's probably considered the most multicultural city in Canada, and Canada's pretty much one of the most multicultural countries in the world. So it's different for me because I can show up at a school in one neighborhood, and I'm one of four white kids in my class, and then there's, like... 16 filipinos and then i go to a different school and there's you know uh 12 kids that are all immigrants from nigeria and there's you know 10 white kids and you know five from china it's just all over the place but uh, this the line that that i had at the beginning that uh, vixen had if it had been played as it's impossible being a black gay drag queen in this country that would make sense but the line mm-hmm. Vixen had was, it is impossible being a black gay drag queen. Like, well, first of all, half of this cast is the same as yeah. any of you. And yeah. being a gay drag queen is a disadvantage. <laughs> like, if you were a straight drag queen, I think you would you would stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, I'm starting you to wonder, like... College, you just experienced the tour. You know what it's like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as a white, straight drag queen, <laughs> I know, yeah. but like... It, it's just maybe it was phrased in the wrong way, but it was said more than once in this episode in more than one way. And Vixen's and considering every other character was just saying, you know, this is just Vixen being the victim or whatever. But like, it is impossible to be a black gay drag queen. Like, how does that make any sense at all? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like Vixen obviously has like some hardships and some issues happening there. I do feel that she's very quick to just take the side of, of being defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, she's not really listening or addressing the situation in the moment, but just like quickly just jumps back to defending herself. Like, yeah, the top of the episode, Eureka's, you know, saying all this positive stuff about Vixen of like, you've got an intelligence, you've got this humor, mm-hmm. you've got this like strong attitude. And then, the thing that you that Vixen picks up on is when she's like, so like you don't always have to rely on like being the bear that gets poked, and Vixen just jumps on that and it's like, you know, like oh, well, thank you for bringing up the bear. It's like, mm. well, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, we're trying to compliment you now, and you're still defensive. I I would argue that it's like certain, <clears throat> like when you don't like someone, no matter what they have to say, you're like not there for it. Yeah, and I feel like that's yeah. at the point we're at with the vixen. Just really does not like you three. Uh, Eureka! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just made up some new one, new queen. Um, I think my mind was trying to meld Aquaria like and Eureka. So, yeah, yeah. but doesn't like Eureka at all. So no matter what Eureka has to say, it's not going to come in. Even if it's you're the best person I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Well, you haven't met someone better, or like you know, there's just going to be some yeah. sort of comment to it, and I, and it's obviously playing out like even when Eureka's like, I try to be kind, and it's just like not gonna, it's not gonna pay yeah. off because Eureka's yeah. not gonna listen. There's no way to play it where you smooth that over. 
I, I like when the whole um, when Vixen is talking about her performances, the political performances. I like the reactions from firstly Monet when she's talking about you know like um, like the audience's white guilt, and Monet's just like, oh, Vixen. Mm. <laughs> Um, so like Monet sort of saying like she's she's not quite there with her or feels like maybe the way Vixen goes about it isn't the best approach. Um, and Cracker is very just like straight up with her response as well of like I can see that going two ways. Like they're either very silent and awkward or they just applaud to yeah. like you know be like oh yes <laughs> sorry about being white. <laughs> and, and that was another thing that just made no sense to me at all. Like talking about your audience, you know, having this white guilt. Do you really think that the people who are going to come to a drag show, if they're mm-hmm. white, are going to be the type of people who are these racist, you know... Right. Uh, exactly. Like, totally. You're coming to a drag show. Like, that would be the least likely to experience white guilt or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. The ones who are going to be judging you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. <laughs> I'm just like, like I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like, it's not even, I don't even enjoy coming on here anymore and saying, like, I hate the Vixen. Like, the Vixen sucks. Like, I'm bored of her. Go home. And, like, I just, like, when Monique was up against her, I was like, oh, my God, Monique can actually do this. Yeah. Monique can take her off. And then, like, imagine my disappointment that Monique is my winner pick and she just gets absolutely demolished by the Vixen of all people. <laughs> It could have been worse. You could have picked Chloe Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) But this is like, this is such the same thing that we saw last season where Nina Benina Brown kept landing in the bottom. She was destined to go, but whoever she was up against was just doing a terrible performance. And then someone who should have slayed it Mm. didn't know the words. And so Nina survives another round. And the same thing has happened now with Vixen. Because Monique didn't know her words. Vixen would have been gone otherwise. Yeah. Very frustrating. Whenever I watch now, all I think about is you, Brian. I'm like, oh, what is Brian thinking right now that the Vixen's on screen? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Kyle yeah. must be so loving that Monique doesn't know the words to this song. <laughs> so that means the Vixen's guaranteed to stay. Like, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. <laughs> like... We we sat on the couch and watched this together, and you get like the the dialogue of me is like, go on, go on, oh oh, oh no, oh, oh what's happening? Ah, oh, oh well. <laughs> yeah, and then knowing that Monique cannot survive this link lip sync, I'm like, please say neither of you survived the lip sync. <laughs> send yes. them both. <laughs> Monique has to go because of this, but send the vixen as well. You know what What made it even more ridiculous is that there's an easy way to get through this if you don't know the lyrics. Like, I, I bet BB did not know a single lyric to a single song last season. And all BB would do is just move her mouth just up <laughs> yeah. and down to, like, the beat of the music. And they're like, oh, BB's lip syncing. You just have to do something. Like, they're not going to be able to tell from that distance whether you're getting the lyrics right or not. And then don't – if you're already – flopping on the lip-syncing part, don't do the world's worst cartwheel and basically yeah. land on your side. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was such a mess. And I think what I found most disappointing about this is that Monique is telling us how hard it is that she doesn't have money, so she can't afford to buy expensive outfits, 
And so she's just brought fabric to drag race, meaning she's going to make everything while she's there. So she hasn't done prep before coming on the show. Like she hasn't made any outfits in anticipation of it. And she's throwing them together last minute. But then when it comes to a lip sync, she can't do a lip sync. And I'm thinking like, if you, if your complaint is that, you know, like, yep, you're a cheap queen, you can't do the expensive outfits, you need to have a strength to combat that. Uh-huh. Like, all good if you can deliver a performance, but you sort of failed on all accounts here and had no redeeming factor, and that was very disappointing. Hey, she doesn't have 99 cents to buy Carly Rae Jepsen songs on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, if you watch Untucked, like the vixen is just constantly like screw you guys screw you guys i'm not gonna let you like uh take me down and then just like goes and listens to the song and then at the very end of untuck monique goes well i'm screwed if i'm in the bottom because i don't know the words i'm like honey you've been back there the whole time and i've not seen one earplug in your ear like why are you not even trying yes like why have you given up terrible i don't like that attitude of like if i have to lip sync then i'm going home Mm. oh Fight for your life. Come on. He does get into it a bit later on where she says um, in her like post-elimination thing saying that Monique spent her late nights at the hotel that they spend time at making the outfits. Yeah. So she didn't have time to learn the words because she was busy making the outfits late at night. Like play the song because one of them requires your ears <laughs> and the other requires your hands. You can do both. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if it's that they don't get the they don't get it they're you know the the music oh yeah in there. i don't know if that's the only on camera thing or not yeah. but i will say the that cartwheel those two seconds of seeing that like <laughs> cartwheel probably the most uncomfortable moment on the entire show uh-huh. yeah like worse than milk and the bachelor like that is the most <laughs> But at the same time, it is like a car wreck. I just can't stop watching it. Like, I just keep wanting to rewatch those two <laughs> seconds because it's so great, but so awful at the same time. Mm. There's a lot of, like, throwing blame on others as well. Like, Monique saying, like, yeah, that car wheel wasn't great, but, you know, the Vixen was just standing there. That's part of the challenge, honey. Like, you share a stage with somebody. And then... Uh, actually, yeah, it was, it was Monique again with Aquaria saying, I was throwing you so many lines and, like, you didn't help me out. Aquaria's like, it's not up to me to make your Snatch game good. Yeah. The editing here was just brilliant, too. Because, like, they weren't even teasing that this was a possibility that Vixen was going home. You know, you had those shots where uh, Monique would not sing something and then they would cut to somebody in a confessional giving a reaction like what and it wasn't even words then it would go back to Monique and then another reaction like what like what am I watching and it took like three or four of those cuts back and forth but finally does she know the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've got to say like I was worried for Asia that she was going to be lip syncing after her Beyonce I think her runway saved her and Monique sort of failed on both and that's why she was there and so did Vixen I was like, oh, God, Asia, no. <laughs> yeah. But maybe no. Asia would have sent Vixen home, and it would have been a better result. <laughs> Why is Asia being saved? Is there another I, reason? Do we want to, like, because this has been the second time where Asia's been in the bottom, but hasn't been 
Yeah, where she's ah, white guilt. Could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but question Asia's black and so is RuPaul, so I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. Uh yeah, I feel like I feel like Rue loves Asia and wants Asia to be there at the end. Is it is that it? Because like I don't like I would say maybe it's because they Asia won, but so did theoretically the Vixen already has the challenge win as well. Yeah, okay. no, I think in this case, like Asia did the better runway, and like all three of them were bad in the challenge. And I mean, uh, like like Asia was bad as in like not funny. But Monique also broke character and just sort of, like, laughed at one of Rue's jokes and then didn't know what to say. Like, Beyonce was still saying things. They just weren't funny things. There. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. Mm. You're buying it? No. You're buying it. Whoa. <laughs> We're there already. <laughs> but speaking of buying it, <laughs> good segue, Colin. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we rate the episode? Um, and I'm... Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, Colin. You... I know what I'm going to do. Go. I Well, I already said I liked this Snatch game for the good stuff, but I actually really enjoyed watching the bad stuff as well. Uh, I think that you know some of the storylines we had, it's it's kind of annoying at times to listen to Vixen, but maybe because I haven't been as overexposed for several weeks... You know, I, I can see a little bit of decent drama in it. And overall, there was really nothing too boring about this episode. So I I enjoyed it enough that I'd probably buy this one. This is probably the one that I'm closest to buying of mm. the season. Do I still buy it, though? I don't know. Like, the mermaid jokes were funny. I didn't really love the, the mermaid looks. Snatch Game had funny moments in it. But then there was also just, like, traces of awkward throughout it. Mm. So it's uh, it's still not as high as anything I saw in All Stars Three, um, but I mean maybe this is as good as it gets. So I'll, I'll buy this one. I'll buy it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I would watch that Snatch Game again for Melania and Boo Boo. Like good Snatch Game, good reading. Like was on, and then if my Winnipeg had sent the Vixen home, <laughs> then I would have bought this episode and bought multiple copies for my friends, but. <laughs> Um, that didn't happen, so that makes me want to bin it. So I'm going to average it out. I'm just going to say rent it. I'm going to rent it. I'm going to rent it. Yeah. I'm still so torn. I don't even know what I want to do. And that lip sync was atrocious. <laughs> but I still want to. I want to watch the lip sync again, though. Like because it was that bad. Yeah. Uh, that's the point where I'm at. Like I, the episode wasn't good, but it was so great at the same time. I think I'm going to buy it just because I was really high on the Snatch Game and Mermaid Fantasy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this runway, so I'm just going to buy it. Okay. Which is also probably to counteract the fact that I've been the most out of anyone here, so. <laughs> yeah. i got to balance it out somehow. So our predictions of Monique Hart as well, we have to get to. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, I placed Monique at 12th, so I am four places off her eighth place finish. Mm-hmm. Colin, you said Monique would finish in eighth, so you are right on the money. 
Ooh. That's an improvement over the last couple weeks. <laughs> Considering you lost your winner pick in episode two, I think this is a good bounce back. Uh, Kyle, you said Monique would also finish in eighth. I get a point? So you are also right on. And I also said she finished eighth, right? <laughs> oh, you did. I'm just looking yeah, at it thanks. right here. And you did, and you definitely didn't lose your winner pick in eighth yes. place. <laughs> to the Vixen. <laughs> to your favorite of all time. Yes. Yeah. This is uh, worst case scenario for you. It's fine. I'm having a bad year with predictions. <laughs> So our total right now is Kyle with five, Brian and Colin with three, and I have only two. What? How wow. are you behind me? <laughs> well, you did get um, Mayhem Miller's point in the absence. Ah. Because you did say Mayhem. Yeah, you were. You got the yeah, point for that where me. no one else did, I think, so. Yeah. Yeah, well. So we only have two winner picks left out of the four of us. Yes. You, Kyle, you have Asia, and I have Monet. Mm-hmm. Um, and just looking at our just our final three, I still have Monet and Ms. Cracker in. Colin, you only have Monet. Ryan, you have Monet and Eureka left. And Kyle, you have Asia, Monet, and Ms. Cracker left. Ooh. You. So you look like you're in a good place to win this. Not that we ever doubted that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you had like the first five points automatically, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my top three, and I think I still got number five as well. It's just number four that I've I've lost. Yeah, you lost mayhem. Yeah. But that was the snatch game. I'm already kind of sad to see it go, but yeah, on to better and brighter things. Hopefully, do I just want to also see maybe quickly go around the room, say how you feel now, like halfway through the season? Do you think we had a good start so far, and how we see the rest of it going? Colin, Hmm. yeah, Um, I want to. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought I didn't realize you said Colin. Sorry. Um, uh, I, I'm probably the worst one to ask first. <laughs> uh, That's why I did it. All of it, but uh, I mean, my picks are awful. I don't know if there's anybody that I really want to root for the same way as like Trixie, but I think the Vixen thing is gonna gonna have to go pretty soon. Because if this ends up being like a season-long villain arc, I think it will become a little bit too negative. Because if there's a difference between you know a villain that is fun to watch, even if it's fun just to hate them, and then somebody that just kind of drags you down because of negativity, and it might sort of just be at that limit right now. So if Vixen goes soon, it's not even that I hate Vixen, uh, but if Vixen does go soon, I think it'll be better for the season than if Vixen sticks around too long. Yeah, I I agree with that. And it's, yeah, it's not to just, like, throw hate at the Vixen. It just, I feel like the tone of the show is hindered by the Vixen still being there. And probably as soon as Vixen goes, the rest of the queens are going to, like, you know, like, be more positive and, 
like perhaps you know the whole like their game is stepped up because they don't have that energy in the room anymore so yeah i really hope for that reason that vixen goes next week and then the rest of the season can be vixen free and hopefully everyone just shines and we have some stellar performances because so far it's been pretty average for me this season Oh, I like the season, just obviously barring one person. So I'm going to agree with all of you. Send her home, and I'll enjoy it even more. Yeah, yeah I've got the hopes for a strong finish with who we've got left. I think Eureka could win this. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Anyone else, or just Eureka? Uh, Asia, Aquaria. I would oh, say really? Eureka and Aquaria probably... Um... Uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody else has really come out. Like I said, you know, earlier in the episode, they kind of have that Bendelcrum success rate at this point. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. halfway through the season if you could really have an underdog just sort of sneak through. <laughs> if Cameron wins it, <laughs> <laughs> that would be very surprising. I, I feel like Vixen should go next week. And then Cameron probably goes the week after. I don't think Cameron's got much longer. It'll probably be like a Blair situation where she's been fine, but then it'll get to a point where it's like, you can't just be fine anymore. You can't just be middle of the road because that means you're now in the bottom. Um, yeah, and like she, she's sort of, she's consistent, but there's nothing really stand out that she's delivering. So she needs to step it up if she wants to stay in. Hypothetical situation. So, mm-hmm. a vixen goes next, loses a lip sync. It doesn't matter to who, but. Yeah. Um, and then the week after that, we have a bottom two of Cameron Michaels and Monet Exchange. Right. Cameron wins that, right? Uh, not necessarily. So, so you think that Monet will survive a third lip sync this season? She can do, yeah. Um, if she delivers the performance, it depends on the performance of the other person. Um, if the other person pulls out the tricks that Monet does, then they win over her. Um, but yeah, she could, I think she could save herself a third time. I agree. Monet like has, um, uh, like really memorable performance performances in all of her lip syncs um like she puts a lot of effort into it and i think she gets it like it's not about lip syncing it's about like it's almost about like having a gimmick um yeah. and like it was weird if you think about our last one she pretended to be on a motorcycle for half of it yeah so she basically wasn't moving but like i don't know i thought that, that it worked really really well um and uh, like i I don't think Cameron Michaels has that sort of thing in her, so I I think Monique, uh, Monet could win. And I think Cameron, especially like we saw in this episode, she felt like she was going to be in the bottom. She didn't expect to be safe. And I think that it's like maybe the competition's getting to her a bit where uh, she knows that she's not standing out and, you know, she hasn't been getting great critiques from the judges. It's just middle of the road. So I feel like maybe her confidence... Uh, could be starting to uh, to slide, and that could be a downfall as well. I guess we will see what happens in the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hopefully, it will be a good fi- finish to the season, and and who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Cameron Michaels next winter. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm Rossi, and I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Colin, and rest in peace, Alex Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brian, and I'm not the brightest tool in the shed. <laughs> That's true. I'm Kyle, and I have no excuse for this endless outfit. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.